And everyone else, if they would just turn their Bibles to Romans chapter 12, we're going to particularly start in verses 9 through 13 this morning. Well, Elizabeth and I have been married for uh, 13 years as of August 15th. So uh, thank you. Yes, I'll take that. Um, I really don't. I mean, it's, it's been easy for me. I mean, I'm a blessed man. And uh, I told you how blessed I, I've probably told you this before, but uh, I knew that I had something in Elizabeth when uh, when we were just started dating. And she told me the story of how she ran out of gas. And not only did she uh, and so she had to go into this gas station attendant and she had to ask him, I, said, I don't have money either. Can you help me out? And and the gas attendant was gracious. And he said, yes, go ahead and just come back and pay me later. And uh, well, not only did Elizabeth come, came back and pay him, but she also came back with a big thing of brownies that she also gave to this gas attendant. And that right there was a clue for me. I was like, all right, this is the kind of woman I need to marry. This is a this is a woman who knows what it means to have a hospitality. And uh, that's what I want to talk with you about uh, today. Thinking about 13 years being married, it was also 13 years ago that Elizabeth and I uh, after we got married, we decided that uh, we needed to go find uh, this a church, a new church in the Dallas area together. And uh, so we went out and uh, the, the Metroplex is big, if you didn't know that. OK, and there's a lot of churches there. And so we went out to begin the search for the church that God was leading us to. And uh, you all have been there before, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty there. There's all kinds of things. You go in, you feel so uncomfortable. Will anybody know me? Will they accept me? And you have all these kind of fears and things that are, are running through your, your thoughts and your mind as you go and you, as you visit different churches. But there was one church that stood out to us in particular. And the reason that it stood, stood out to us is uh, that as we came, it was actually a church about this size, uh, and as we came to visit this church, uh, there was this one particular usher. I can still remember. I can't remember his name, but I remember him. And he had dark hair. He was a tall guy. And he just reached out to us. He just kind of saw. He recognized that we weren't, uh, we weren't regular members of the church or regular attenders. But we caught his attention. And so the next time we come back, uh, he remembers our name. He comes and he reaches out to us again. He doesn't just give us a bulletin, but he asks, hey, how are you doing? Oh, by the way, there's some seats over here that you can sit. We come back again. Guess what? He recognizes us again and he reaches out to us. It was after a few visits then there was this one particular man who uh, who had gotten to know us through the, the time of uh, just visiting the church and he remembered our names. And I remember us coming one Sunday, and it was a church the size of this, but not as this much room, and things were crowded. And this man walked over, and by the way, he just happened to be an elder. And then he came over to us, he grabbed us and said, hey, I saved some seats for you. Come follow me. So what did we do? We followed him, and he sat us down by him and his wife, Dave and Mary Yarbrough. Won't forget his name. Because not only did he do that, but he, he did it again the next week. And then he invited us in. He says, hey, Matt, Elizabeth, I'd like you to join my small group. Why don't you come and be a part of this? And as Elizabeth and I experienced this, it didn't take long for us to know that our home, our home church needed to be Dallas Bible Church. And that's where we plugged in just after getting married. 
And as I thought about this man, about this Dave Yarbrough, who, who went so out of his way uh, to make us to feel a part of Dallas Bible Church, I began to think, why, why would he do this? And as I thought about that, one of the reasons I am convinced is that Dave understood the vital importance of hospitality and what it plays in the life of the church and the outreach to people. I also believe that hospitality was an outgrowth of his walk with Christ. Because if you didn't know this, one of the uh, qualifications for an elder, one of the marks of maturity that an elder is, is to have is that he is to be hospitable. That's one of his qualifications. That's what he's, he's to have. And there before me, I had an elder who was living that out to the fullest as he reached out to me and my wife and to others. But you know what? This mark of hospitality isn't just for the elder. Matter of fact, the reason that those qualifications are there is that as servant leaders of the church, as pastors, elders, overseers of the church, we are to exemplify and we are to model the marks of maturity that all of us should be growing and embodying in our walk with Christ. And hospitality is to be one of those things. I bring you this message because uh, I think it is very important that we hear this today. One of the reasons I think it is important is because that very fact that hospitality is literally a, it's a mark of your walk and your growth in Christ. And if you're not being hospitable, then your growth in Christ is being stunted. You're not maturing fully. You're not growing into the fullness of Christ as he would desire. The second reason why I feel this message is important this morning, and I want you to really listen and dig into these passages with me this morning, is because one of the greatest challenges that we are going to face as a church in the, the seeking to fulfill our mission to grow deep and to reach out, and as we grow as a church and as new faces come in, one of the greatest challenges we're going to have is are we going to continue to be marked as a church of hospitality? be a challenge for us and believe me, we have a lot of hosp hospitable people here it's one of the reasons i came over three and a half years ago but as we grow and as new faces come in as we get torn to be stay comfortable with just those people we know hospitality is going to be a challenge for us in fulfilling that vision of growing deep and reaching out and most importantly, why I think this message is important for you and I today is that our lack of hospitality, that is, if we, if we fail to be hospitable, it will dim our opportunity to display the glory of God. I bet you didn't think of it that way. But I'm going to show you this morning that it does. That hospitality is an opportunity to display the glory of God. Now, let's look at uh, Romans here, because you're, you're saying, Matt, you're making much of this hospitality thing. Well, I make much of it because God's word makes much of it in Scripture. Let me, let me show you this. Go to Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Let me give you the context for it. Romans 12 is coming on the heels of this great message 
of how God took us as all of us as sinners. He provided for us this great work of justification to save us from our sins, where God could thereby, through the work of Christ, he could declare us righteous in the person of Jesus Christ. And not only did he provide salvation, but he says, not only I save you from your sins, but I, I will help you to be sanctified here and now. I will give you my Holy Spirit to enable you to help you to grow in your walk with Christ. Then he speaks of the sovereignty over the nation of Israel. And then he comes in verse 12 and in or chapter 12 and chapter 12, he says, therefore, in view of all these mercies of these great things, here's what I ask of you. You give me your life. Sacrifice your life to me. Give it, give it all to me. That's your reasonable service of worship or spiritual worship. And then he goes on in verses 3 through 5, and he, he tells us that we are members of a new community. Literally, he says, you are members of one another. Did you know that? That is, believers in Christ, you're not these lone rangers that are out there, but that you're actually members of each other, that you, we, are, we are a part and we share the body of Christ to each other. Therefore, we have responsibilities towards each other. And then he follows it up. He says, with that, he says, I've given you special gifts. Gifts that you are to share with each other. Gifts that encourage and build up your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're to use them amongst each other. Then comes to our passage this morning in verses 9 through 13. He says, and in light of all this, I'm calling you to a new way of living. And here's what he says in verse 9. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. In essence, he says, let, let it be the real deal. Let it be the sincere love. May it be a real overflow of your hearts, not just something you're putting on. Now, this phrase, let love be without hypocrisy, I believe it, it serves as kind of the foundational statement of all that's going to follow. It's kind of, here's the heading, all right? Here's the statement, let, let love be without hypocrisy. And then let me show you what hypocrisy is like, or, or unhypocrisy is like. Let me show you what sincere love is, is really like. And then he fleshes it out this way. He says, first, give preference to one another in honor. In essence, think of others before yourself. Give preference to one another. Not lagging behind in diligence. Don't be lazy about it. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints. This idea of contributing is that is the word koinonia. It speaks of real Christian fellowship, but it's not just sharing relationship. He's talking about sharing in what you have, sharing with, sharing together with whatever the needs are of the saints. And then he says this, and this is where I want to focus at practicing hospitality. In essence, what he's saying is, Hospitality helps to flesh out genuine love. Like all the things that came before practicing hospitality, so does hospitality. It's, it's a way that you can flesh out genuine, sincere love amongst the body of Christ through practicing hospitality. It's in essence, he says, it's, it's, hospitality is love in action. You can say you have love, but it remains uh, uh, hypocritical until you start doing these other things. And one of these things is... That you're showing hospitality. Hospitality kind of puts the, the flesh on love. 
It fleshes it out. Now, I love this word. It's, it's, it's the kind of the hospitality is kind of the hands and the feet of love. But I, I love this word behind uh, the literal meaning of hospitality in the Greek. It's a, it's a compound word. And the compound word literally means the love of strangers. It took on the meaning then of friendliness of love. And then it came to be adopted as the meaning for, for hospitality. But don't you love that? Don't you love when, you, when hospitality, what it's talking about? It's, it's the love of strangers. It's the love of the people that you don't know that are sitting on the other side of the church. It's the love of the strangers that you see in your neighborhood that you don't know yet. That's hospitality. It's the love of strangers. It's not just to be love for the the Christians or even the the unchristians that we know, but those people that we don't know yet. We are to open our lives in our church to those who are new or searching or, or feel isolated or lonely or in need. That's sincere love. That's where hospitality comes into play. So here's my question for you. Can you think of someone in our church or your neighborhood who is looking just for a place to belong? Or perhaps someone who doesn't fit in. Or who needs help, a helping hand, or who needs just someone to love them. Can you think of someone? My question then is for you, what, what can you or, or a group of us do to help someone who is a stranger? Or who is it that you and I that we need to share, share a meal with? Who is it that you and I need to help feel cared for? What can you or your family or your small group do to love that stranger? Now, there's something that's really, really neat about this, that that's, there's right before it says hospitality, it, it's, there's this idea of, of practicing hospitality. Now, this word gets real convicting. It got convicting for me. When I look more closely at this word, this word is a, a present active verb here, and it, it carries the idea of, of hospitality should be going, ongoing. But what really convicted me that really, as I study this more and more, I looked at different translations, and as I looked more at the Greek, really this idea of practicing really doesn't capture the essence of it. And I think some other translations get it better, but it is better rendered to strive for or pursue or chase hospitality. Now that adds a little something different to it, doesn't it? Practicing is just like something, well, yeah, we kind of do that. But pursue puts a whole different spin on it. it is we're literally not to just, we're, we're, we're to just, we're not, oh, okay, we're supposed to be hospitable. No, we're to pursue it. We're to pursue the love of strangers. We're to go after them. Now, I'm going to be honest with you right here. My natural inclination is not to pursue strangers, okay? It's not. Now, Grant is a whole different story. Grant will chase you down in the parking lot. And you you think I'm kidding, but Grant knows I'm not kidding, okay? 
Remember, I had a college student, one of our new students, I can't see if she's here or not right now, but she told, yes, I see her right back there, I won't point you out, but she told me uh, a couple times she had visited here that uh, I just kind of asked her how things were going, and she told me, she says, yeah, I think I'm going to stay here since the pastor ran me down in the, in the parking lot. Wow, that, that captures it. That's the idea of pursuing hospitality. Now, the other side is my personality doesn't lean to that, okay? And I have the natural inclination that I will wave goodbye to strangers, okay? Grant runs after them. I'll be the guy that waves to them, all right? But knowing that part of my growth in Christ is this maturity in the area of hospitality, I, I just, the Holy Spirit doesn't allow me just to do this. But that is, I know I have to take an active step, and I have to pursue people. It also doesn't not part of my personality. It's probably part of my uh, my upbringing. I remember my dad used to tell me. Or I remember growing up as a young man, my my dad would always we always would sit near the back, and he would always tell me the reason we sit back at the back is because there is this uh, there was this bigger space. There was this one row that didn't have a row in front of it. And he said I can always have more leg room there. But I had the sneaking suspicion that the reason Dad wanted to sit towards the back is because he wanted to get out fast. Because he would. He would. He would run out. And we, it's okay I say this because we would joke about it all the time with him. He would run out. He would get the car. And he'd be sitting in the car warming up. Come on. We've we got to get to the restaurant. We've got to get to the restaurant. That's not pursuing hospitality. All right? I, I give him credit. He, he would invite people to come eat with him, so that's maybe how he was, he was pursuing his hospitality. But I think also he just liked to get out. And then you had my mom. My mom would linger, okay? She would linger. She had no problem with hospitality, all right? And then, 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 the, then there was the mashing of personalities that come into play. My dad would eventually have to get out of the car, walk into the foyer and go. But he wouldn't go there because he would get sucked into the conversation. So he would do this, all right? So I have these battles here, all right? I understand, but I know it's important to our growth in Christ. And each week, every single Sunday, God brings guests to Fellowship Bible Church. And I heard a statement about guests that, I, I, that was very compelling to me. And it was this, guests, guests are a gift from God. Do you know that? Do you look at guests that way? Do you look at the people that God brings in our church each week? Do you look at them and say, these people are a gift from God? And you say, well, what do you mean they're a gift from God? Let me explain it this way. Each week, God brings believers to fellowship who are in need of two things. All right? They're in need, one, to be ministered to. There are believers who are coming here to be ministered by the Word of God. They need to come here and they need to be ministered by encouragement from you. Each week they're in need of that. Maybe they have significant challenges or spiritual challenges in their life where they need to get plugged into a small group that can help them through this challenge. Each week believers are coming this way. But the second part is, and by the way, uh, if they just come to hear the message, statistics say they won't stay. Because statistics say if the only meaningful relationship that they form is not just through the message, but just knowing the senior pastor, after over 18, 26 months or so, they'll be gone. They need relationship. 
The second thing is that ministers or believers bring who are guests is that they come here because they have gifts to offer you and I. Do you know that? Did you know that none of us have all the spiritual gifts? But one of the very spiritual gifts that we may need or a gift that, gifting that we may need in this church, it just may be that guest who is coming in to this church. And that you and I are in need of what God can do through them. There's also another group that makes their way in this church every, every week. And those are unbelievers. You realize that each week that we have an opportunity to plant the seeds of the gospel, not just from the pulpit, okay? Because unbelievers don't want to just hear about it. They want to see it. They want to see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as you and I interact with each other. They will know we are his disciples by our love for one another, Christ says in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35. They want to see the flesh, the flesh now. They want to see and feel and be touched by the hands and the feet of sincere love. They want to see it happening between us, and they also want to see it being reached out to them. See, hospitality is powerful. The pursuit of the love of strangers is very, very powerful. and makes a difference in people's lives. Well, how do we do this? We must pursue hospitality. And turn with me to Hebrews 13, verses 1 through 2. Turn with me to that passage. Because I want to suggest to you that we must pursue hospitality by making it a priority. By making it a priority. That is, by putting it at the top of the list of things that, that we do. Now, the book of Hebrews is written to exhort Jewish believers who... Uh, who are, are kind of waning and struggling in their, in their, in, in their place of Christ in their lives. And the, the, the author is making, hey, Christ is superior. He's making this case. And then he's exhorting them to continue in their maturity and faith in Christ. And part of the exhortation of maturing in Christ is what he brings here in verse 1 of chapter 13. He says, let the love of brethren continue. Let it continue. And then guess what he follows it up with? Because what is unhypocritical love? Well, it's this. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. In essence, he's saying, if you're going to continue in the love of the brethren, you cannot forget to show hospitality. You can't neglect it. You have to make it a priority. It needs to go on your outlook as a reminder of the things that you need to do. It's important. Now, when I read this, do not neglect to show hospitality, it begged the question is, why do we neglect hospitality? Why do we neglect it? Why do we forget about it? So I want to suggest three things to you. The first one is we're oblivious to it, okay? We didn't, maybe you just didn't know the importance of hospitality, or, or maybe you didn't even know, you weren't aware that elders are required to be hospitable and that there are three explicit commands to be hospitable. Maybe you're just oblivious to that, all right? Well, just cross that off your list, okay? Because now you know, all right? So that, that cannot be one of the reasons we neglect hospitality. That leads to the second, though. And this is one I hear a lot, is fear. 
or embarrassments. The number one thing under this fear or embarrassment, I can't remember people's names. I've, I've met this person ten times, or, or I've turned around and introduced myself to him. They said, yes, I've met you five times already, okay? Here's what you got to do, all right? Write their name down. Or, or better yet, I, I just want to get something out in the open. Right now, I'm going to get out in the open. I don't remember all your all's names, all right? I don't know all your names. I can't. I try. I try even little tricks, tricks I can't tell you because it will give me away, okay? But I have clues and signals to my wife to help me out to try to remember people's names. Let's just put it out there. Let's get real and authentic. Let's be real. Let's have real fellowship and let's lay it out on the line. We can't all remember each other's names, all right? Just say that with me. I can't remember everybody's name. You, I didn't hear you saying that. I can't remember everybody's name. Okay? Let's just put it out there. We can't do that. All right? You, you hit a limit. Okay? So let's get authentic with each other and just say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm Matt, and I can't remember your name. All right? <laughs> just, just admit it. Get it out there. And through that escapade or through that interaction, you'll actually probably end up remembering that person's name. All right. And guess, let me give you give you a, a hint. All right. Because you're not devoid of this. All right. If you're a believer in Christ, you got to be participating in hospitality. Even when you come and visit a church, help us out. OK. When you see a person's eyes and they start bugging out or they roll back in their heads because they're trying to remember a person's name. Just say, hey, I'm Matt. All right. Just introduce yourself. OK. I try to do that when I see people that when they I see they see me and they're like, oh, I should know his name. I just I just tell them. Just put it out there in front of them, okay? Don't let this be an excuse to be hospitable. Another thing is uh, the hospitality comes. We say, well, well, maybe my house is too small. All right, just don't invite a lot of people over, okay? <laughs> maybe your focus is just be one or two, okay? Or the other excuse, just uh, my house, is, I just am afraid. I'll be embarrassed if people come and they see my house is messy. All right, let's get honest again, all right? All our houses are messy, okay? Just to get rid And I know it when I come to your house. You know, you come in, everything's nice and clean and stuff. I'm like, this isn't how their house is, all right? Get real, all right? I've got three children, a cat and a dog. It's not going to be nice all the time, all right? So if you come into my house, it's going to be messy sometimes. But open our houses to people. Invite them in. Well, what if they stay too long? Just do what my dad would do then. If they stay too long, this is what I'm serious. You, this is honest. My dad, when someone stay over too long, he would do one of two things. He'd get the vacuum out and start cleaning. And you could stay there, but you were a part of the house now because it was time for him to vacuum. Okay? Or the second thing, honest truth. I, I heard this from my mom. One day, we had some guests over, and all of a sudden, someone said, where's Jerry? They all kind of looked around for a little bit. I think he's went to bed. He did. He just he just went on. And in his mind, you're coming to my house. I got to go to bed. I got to work tomorrow. You can stay as long as you want, but I'm going to bed. Just do it. All right. Get over it. There's a third thing, though. There's something called selfishness. Is why we're not hospitable. You know how there is a physical force called gravity. 
It just kind of pulls everything back into an earth-centered kind of thing that we just can't get off this planet because it's just the gravity just keeps pulling us down. And so these scientists and things, they had to come up with rockets and uh, shuttles to propel us out and through the physical gravity to get us out and beyond just this earth-centeredness. Do you know there is a, a emotional force that keeps us man-centered and self-centered? It pulls us down and constantly into ourselves. And we got to allow the Word of God to, to come into our lives and to say, and to push us and blast us out of self-centeredness. And that's why we need to hear things that do not neglect hospitality. We got to hear things like practice or pursue hospitality. And we got to depend on the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word to blast us out of the self-centeredness that you and I are all occupied with. Right? And be hospitable. Now, this phrase here, this is an interesting passage. We can't just go over it. It says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, in the original Greek, that extra word of strangers isn't really there. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's kind of interpreting the phrase hospitality, which means to pursue the love of strangers. But it's, it's important here. I think it brings a full, more fuller meaning to what hospitality really means. But then it says this. It says, for by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. And Jewish minds would have immediately gone to Abraham. They would have gone to Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, Lot, Gideon, and the parents of Samson. But the point here is, oh, let's be hospitable and then some angels will show up at our house? Is that the point of the passage? No. I think the point of what the writer of, of Hebrews is making here is when you choose to show hospitality, you never know who that's going to touch. It might be an angel that you're going to touch, but it might be someone who at that very moment what they needed in their life, they're at such a low point in their life, what they needed was someone who would pursue them in love and make a difference in their life. Do not neglect Showing hospitality to strangers. You might be saying right now, well, Matt, okay, I, I get it. I'm supposed to pursue hospitality. I'm supposed to pursue the love of strangers, but I don't have to like it, do I? It's just not me. It's just not who I am. I, I don't have to like it. Well, let me bring another passage here. We, we, we are to learn, we are to pursue hospitality by putting off the grumbling and putting on the gladness. Because look here in First Peter 4, verse 8. You can turn over to there also. 1 Peter 4, 8. Peter is writing to a group of people who are facing intense persecution for the cause of Christ. And so he urges them in the, their essential attitudes and actions that they need to, to continue on and pursue. And in verse 8 of 1 Peter 4, look what he says here. Above all, keep fervent. Here we see it again. Keep fervent in your love for one another. The idea of fervent is, is not so much an emotional thing, but it's, it's the straining of, of, of muscles. It's, it's strenuous. Work at fervent in love for one another. Keep working at it. Because love covers a multitude, love covers a multitude of sins. That is, genuine love is forgiving. It's, it's kind of a healing salve. Then right on the heels of this call to fervent love, he gives this command. And guess what it is? Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another. And get this. 
For those of you that just said in your mind, I don't have to like it or it's just not for me. Look what it says there. Be hostile to one another without complaints. Without grumbling or murmuring, the, the Greek term denotes a, a muttering or low speaking as a sign of the pleasure, displeasure. You say, don't complain about this. Don't complain because you need to be, and I'm calling you to hospitality. Now, I had to ask the same question. If hospitality is so wonderful, why does Peter, via the inspiration of the Spirit, say, don't do it or do it without complaining? Why does he do that? And my deep theological conclusion was this, that Peter was a realist. He knew it. He was realistic. He knew how self-centered we are and how we would struggle, that we would even complain about this awesome opportunity that we have to be hospitable to people. And so he says, do it without complaining. I don't know, maybe Peter, who obviously, because many of the apostles and missionaries would stay in different places, maybe he had experienced or maybe he ever heard a family he was staying with. Maybe he heard a family say, you know, this Peter, he, he says some great things. But how much longer is this brother going to stay? All right. And I don't know what his deal is, but he's acts like he's never ate shellfish in his life. All right. Some of y'all don't get that, but that's all right. Okay. Grant, you got that, didn't you? Please, sorta. Okay, strike that one out next time. But he says, "Do it without complaining." Patience. He knew the hospitality can be hard work. He knew it could cost money. He knew it could be inconvenient. He knew it could consume time. He knew it required patience. He knew it. He knew that people weren't always easy or even enjoyable to be hospitable to. He knew that. All right, I can, as I thought about this, I thought about a, uh, a guy in college. There was one particular guy, I'm just going to be honest, this guy in college that uh, was always kind of coming to my roommate and I. And, uh, but let me just be honest, he, he was strange. Okay? You know, he, he just, he was. And, and, and my first inclination was to run. Okay, and and so but inside me, thanks for the the Holy Spirit working inside me. He he convicted me. He says, this is a guy uh, you need to be hospitable to. And so we tried. But but let me be honest with you. We complained along the way. We did. Remember, we complained so much. I remember one time because he used to often come down to our, our, our dorm room. And I can remember one time explicitly when my roommate Bill and I saw this guy coming. We went in our room dorm, we turned off the lights, and we put a towel uh, along the door. So he w- and he knocked on the door, and to my shame, and we didn't open. And we sat there and we complained instead. Then you get convicted. And so we, 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 we reached out to this guy. And this guy taught me some things. This guy developed in me, I think, a spiritual gift for myself of mercy. This guy developed in me a call to be compassionate. Because it wasn't easy to be hospitable to him. Frankly, he annoyed us at times. But God used it. And that's why I think when uh, the writer of 1 Peter here, when when he follows this up, he follows this up with this. He says, 
be, 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 be hospitable without complaining. And then he says this right on the heels. As each one has received a special gift, I think he's talking about spiritual gifts, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In essence, I believe that when we practice hospitality, when we do without complaining, we can do without complaining because we realize that through hospitality is an opportunity for us to minister and to utilize the spiritual gifts that God has given us. It provides a platform for that to take place. My mom had a gift of of mercy. She had a gift for helps and service. And I remember there was uh, every thunderstorm that would come our way, there was always this one neighbor, Mrs. Thomas. She was a very much older lady. And she smelled like an older lady. I just remember this as a, as a kid. You could have this smell. And, and, and I, I'm being honest with you. And it used to, I just remember the thunderstorms would come and we're like, oh no. Mrs. Thomas is coming. But mom knew. And mom's mercy and gift of service came alongside me. She was a Matt, why don't you go over there and help Mrs. Thomas come over? What? She smells. But we, we went and we did it. And we, she would come in, sit in her house so the thunderstorm was over. And that utilized my mom's gifts and it made an impact on me. And it made an impact on an old lady who was alone. And had no one living with them. And as I grew and as I matured, I began to see, put aside your selfishness, Matt. It's about pursuing the love of strangers. It doesn't matter how they smell or how they look or how boring they may be. You're to pursue them. You're to love them. Because God wants to use that. Because what I came to find, what, I, what we got to ask ourselves when we, when we think about this, when God commands us to be hospitable, is he just trying to be a mismanners with us? Is he just trying to say, hey, these are some great Judeo-Christian values, be hospitable to them, people? No. When God gives a command, we, we always got to ask ourselves, as with any command in Scripture, we must ask ourselves, what does this have to do with the character of God? What does this have to do with the glory of God? We've got to ask ourselves that question. And I want to show you what, what it has to do. Because when we look in the Scriptures, when we first turn in the Old Testament, in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33 through 34, we begin to see uh, the character of God that He has towards hospitality and the pursuit of the love of strangers. In the book of Leviticus, it writes this. God says, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as a native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. Remember when Jesus summarizes the Old Testament law? Here's part of it. You shall love him as yourself. For you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. In essence, what he's saying here is, hey, listen, Israel. Listen to me. You need to go love on strangers. You need to love the alien when they come to you. Why? Because you were a stranger in the land of Egypt, and I came after you. I pursued you. I pulled you out of bondage of slavery, and I made you my own people when you were a stranger to me. So don't neglect strangers. 
Don't neglect hospitality. I value the stranger. I value hospitality because it mirrors me. It glorifies me. Now, turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, because this heart for God, for, of God for strangers is repeated in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus that before the saving grace of God was poured out on these believers here in Ephesus, he writes this in verse, chapter, two, or chapter 2, verse 12. He says this to the church. You were at that time separate from Christ. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. And then get this. It's a great conjunction right here. But now. You you were strangers, you were alienated, you weren't a part of the commonwealth of God, you were without hope. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Then he says this, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Do you you feel that? Do you feel that that God has a heart for hospitality and the pursuits of the love of strangers? There's two realities or two compelling realities that I want us to, to be moved towards hospitality by. And the first one is this. God pursued us. When we were strangers to his saving grace. If you want motive for why you should be hospitable, because God pursued us when we were strangers to his saving grace. God pursued us. He loved us. He pursued us so much that he sent his son, God him very self, to this earth to walk among us, to be ridiculed, to be put on a cross, to die in our place for our sins. risen from the grave, that now through His Holy Spirit, His Holy Spirit comes and it convicts us and draws us to Christ to put our faith and trust in Christ. God pursued us. Ought we not pursue the love of strangers around us in our church, in our community? Then, by doing this, this is the second motive. You have an opportunity to display the redemptive glory of God. By your hospitality, by our hospitality, our pursuit of the love of strangers, we put the glory of God on display. That is, when we're hospitable, we point people to the God who pursued the nation of Israel and brought them out of bondage. We point to the God who pursued us when we were strangers and aliens and brought us out of our slavery to sin, to salvation in Christ Jesus. That's our motive. Right now... Our youth group is down at the church under the bridge. And they're not just serving burritos because it's something fun to do, but they're being hospitable. They're pursuing the love of strangers. And as they pass out that breakfast burrito, what they're doing is just not doing more than giving a meal, but they're putting the redemptive glory of God on display is what they're doing. That's what hospitality can do. That ought to move us to hospitality. Well, the question might come then, well, Matt, how can I show hospitality like Christ? How can I do that? My personality just doesn't lend myself to that. It's just not me. You know what? It's not you. It's not about you. It's about who you are in Christ. Do you know that? 
Christ doesn't expect you to go out and be hospitable in your own strength. Christ tells us that he wants to live his life through us, that he wants to empower us to be hospitable. And so he says, here's my answer. Here's how you live like Christ. You depend upon the Holy Spirit. So the answer is when you know that there's someone over there that I should go reach out to because they're new to this church, but I feel embarrassed or I feel uncomfortable. What you do is you stop right then and there and you say, God, you enable me to go over and be hospitable to that person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the power and the strength to be like Christ. That's how we're called to live our lives, folks. That's where the strength for hospitality comes. So how will you take action? As Sergio comes and makes his way, I want Sergio Battistella. I had a a great lunch with Sergio this past Friday, and he was telling me just some different ways of how hospitality has made a difference in his life. And he's going to share a couple stories. So, Sergio, I want you first to tell us the story of just the impact that was made when you came to fellowship. How many years ago? Oh, gosh. Um, it was 97. 97. Yeah, tell us what happened. Okay, so uh, my wife, Brandy, and I had, uh, were in college, and he just started dating. And we decided we wanted to, to find a church, a local church that we could attend. And uh, a friend of hers invited us to fellowship. And so one Sunday we, we came, and uh, you know what it's like visiting a new church. It's kind of overwhelming. It's intimidating. And uh, the fellowship was in a, a different building. It was a little bit bigger. The congregation was a little bit smaller. We were fairly shy, so we kind of sat to the back. And there were a lot of folks who sat up close to the front. And it came time to do the, the welcome and the greeting, you know, turn around and greet someone around you. And I can remember in particular there were four four different couples, four different families that made their way from the front all the way to the back where we were and introduced themselves and then visited with us for a little while. And and that was pretty awesome. But then, you know, the following Sunday when we returned, they they saw us in the back and they remembered us and they came and they talked to us again and got to know us a little bit better. And the Sunday after that they invited us to come sit with them up in the front and so we did. And then after that, one of those couples invited us to their small group, kind of like, come check it out. So we did. And we started visiting regularly with them, and we got to know the, the folks in that small group better, developed relationships with them, and did Bible study with them, and prayed with them, and just, you know, lived life with them. And, uh, you know, there's other small things, you know, like uh, sound doctrine, and biblical teaching, but that that was a big part. Those of, things help, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a good addition. But, uh, that was a big part of uh, why we, we stayed here with fellowship. And, we and I, th- I, I think, as I thought upon this, Sergio serves as one of our small group leaders, and he's our head usher. And I just think, what if those folks had not showed hospitality? Would we be graced with your service and ministry to, to me personally and to the body of Christ? And I think not. But uh, we also, you also have a story of how hospitality affected an unbeliever in your life. Could you, could you share that also? Yeah. Um, it's a story about my dad. Uh, he grew up in, in Italy during World War II, and um, his parents were farmers, and it was a, a very difficult lifestyle. They were very poor, 
And on top of that, there was uh, the, the German troops who were occupying Italy during that time. And so periodically they would come through and take some of the crops that uh, you know, my grandparents you know, cultivated. They took you know, a lot of those crops to, to feed the troops. And that left uh, his family with, with very little, almost nothing. And uh, I guess to really pinpoint how poor they were, my dad has a story that he tells about how one winter... All they had to eat were green beans, um, three meals a day, seven days a week. They didn't have, you know, salt or seasoning or anything to put on it. They just had green beans. And my dad remembers uh, specifically that his mom would actually have to, to spank him to get him to eat because he just got so fed up. He was like, you know, no more I'm tired of beans. Um, so things were rough. And um, in, in that, that small town that they lived, there's a a church with a local priest, and every springtime, that priest would go door to door and talk to each family and take down prayer requests. And then, if your family gave to the church, he would pray for you. And if they didn't, he would leave you off the list. And um, that's something that left both my uncle and my dad very cynical about religion in general and Christianity in, in particular. And uh, so I tell you that story to tell you this story. In um, 2002, uh, my dad was in desperate need of a knee replacement. Uh, he was in a ton of pain. He could hardly walk. And because of my parents' divorce, he was living back in Italy. His doctor was back in Phoenix, and he had no place to stay. Uh, uh, and my brother-in-law, his parents heard about this, and they had literally met my dad twice and one of those times was during the wedding so they didn't really know him that well even though they were in-laws they heard about this and they said well he can come stay with us and i don't know if you know much about a knee replacement but it's a big deal i mean you have to go to rehab every day you have to learn how to walk again you're on a walker you're pretty much dependent and very needy for an extended amount of time three four weeks and they you know they were aware of this and they said tell him to come stay with us and at first my dad said well why, why are they doing this? I mean, what's, what's in it for them? You know, because he, he still had it very clear in his mind what, what religion was like to him. And uh, their answer was, there's nothing in it for us. You have a need and, and we can help. And uh, so, so he did. He went and he stayed with them and uh, they helped him through his rehab. And also during those three weeks, um, they shared the gospel with him and he accepted Christ. And uh, to this day, he's a Christian because of it. Thank you, Sergio. I, I wanted Sergio to share that because I wanted you to see uh, the power of hospitality, of biblical hospitality. That when we pursue hospitality, that puts the display of God, it displays God's redemptive glory. And I want to encourage you and I want to exhort you to pursue hospitality in our church community, but also in your neighborhood community. We need you. We need you here to welcome our guests. We need you out in your community to show hospitality and make an impact on those who need Christ. Let's pray. God, we just thank you and we praise you for your commands and your calls on us, Lord. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that your commands that you give us, that your truths, such things as hospitality are are things that are deeply rooted in your character, that are deeply rooted in theology. 
And so, Lord, let us not, as we read through passages like be hospitable or pursue hospitality, Lord, let us not pass over those quickly. But let us always remember to know that such things magnify you and they're used by you to make a difference in people's lives and make lives differences in lives for eternity. So, Lord, I pray that you will empower us as a church, as a people individually, that we will pursue the love of strangers so that we might bring glory and honor to you and to your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said.